Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Spook Show. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All American Spook Show. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Yo. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? Will is on assignment, so he's not going to be joining us this week. But we ha- it's been a while since we've done a Spook Show spotlight, but it, it made its way back into the rotation. So this time around, we're going to be talking about the, the, I guess, the life and the career of Sam Raimi. I almost said late. Thank God he's not, he's still <laughs> he's still around. He's still here. Trust me, he's safe. Yeah. So we're we're going to be taking the dive, and it's kind of a we're we're kind of having a somewhat unofficial Evil Dead little period here uh, because next week we'll be watching uh, the Evil Dead remake from 2013, which he did not direct, but he was a producer of, and obviously it's based on. Um, his baby, you know, the evil dead series. So, uh, we'll be, we'll get into that next week. Uh, and also just recently, what I think back episode 121, I think it was, we talked about the first, the evil dead from 1981. And, uh, then just recently, uh, we did, uh, back, back on episode 151, we did evil dead two from 1987. The, the kind of, uh, remake reboot. So quote unquote, however you want to phrase it of, the first Evil Dead. So we've already knocked those two out. So, you know, we're, we're still f- kind of in that Evil Dead mode, not to mention the fact that Evil Dead Rise uh, is uh, just released or, or will be coming out this weekend. I'm sorry. Evil Dead Rise will, will be out in theaters this weekend. On I think it opens up on April 21st. So uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of us get a chance to uh, go check that one out here pretty soon. Oh, and yeah. uh, we'll at least give our, our initial opinions on that one. Once we get to check that out, but it might be a, a couple minutes before we're, we're able to swing back around to it. Who knows if we can fit it in maybe next month. We'll see. No promises. We got our big summer series coming up literally on Memorial day, May 29th, uh, which we'll, we will, uh, I guess, you know what? We're probably pretty close to being able to go ahead and talk about that a little bit, but we'll save that for the end of the program. So if you want to stick around, Towards the end of this show, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about exactly what our plans are for our big summer series. There's a monster at the end of this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're encouraging you to stick around. We're not telling you to not listen. We want you to stick around and listen to it. Uh, but before we get into the uh, the career of Sam Raimi here in this latest Spook Show Spotlight, we'll go ahead and throw out the usual information. We want you to go check out aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe. From there, you can go to our YouTube channel where you see all of our uh, our YouTube uh, uh, series that we have going on over there, including Hammer Horror in Order, um, Video Vortex, Grindhouse Gutter, Spook Show Rewinds. All that stuff comes out pretty much every week over on our YouTube channel, so you can get there from aaspookshow.com. You can also get to our Patreon page and by going to patreon.com slash aaspookshow. So either way. And uh, over there, every month you get a, a video minisode, including the Library of the Professor segments. And you also get Crapster Peace Theater. It's usually around the last Friday of the month when we finally 
take a big steaming dump on you there with Crack <laughs> Peace Theater. This month, no. this month is uh, is no different than any other, really. We got, Cat, I mean, we got Caddyshack too. Some people will pay to be shit on, so you know. <laughs> well, you know, there's something out there for everybody, I guess. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, hell, if you give us a thousand dollars at our uh, level, you know, maybe somebody. Hey, would. You, know, <laughs> you know what? I'll we'll come see. over and make you a sandwich. We'll see. <laughs> we, we can at least send Will out to. Uh, yeah. To no, I mean, you know, he's always on assignment. So yeah, that well, that's what the assignment usually. Is. He's working one up, ready. For, <laughs> <laughs> ready for a this. sandwich or a shit? Oh. Yeah, well, either way. Um, oh, either way. But yeah, a thousand dollars. Right now on all of our socials, you can uh, vote on the current poll. And uh, I just want to read what these, these, now this is what we're going to be. This is the vote for what we're going to be watching next month on Crapster Peace Theater. So uh, if Caddyshack 2 isn't enough to entice you to come on over, then maybe the winner of next month's poll will. The four nominees currently as we speak are Son of the Mask from 2005, The Wicker Man from 2006, Fart the movie <laughs> from 2000. In Smell-O-Vision. No, and, it's not smell And Gotti from 2018. So it's, it's, well, if Smell-O-Vision really was a thing, I think you'd have to throw it right the fuck out the window with those choices. Yikes. Yes. We're not going to. You know, I think, uh, not, not to get on a tangent, but I think uh, John Waters did a Smell-O-Vision thing with uh, polyester where he had a scratch and stuff. You can do that with a fart the movie, but it would just be a whole bunch of different farts, smell. Fart the movie. Well, anyways, we're not going to make you lean one way or the other there. There's there's pretty four pretty equally bad choices there for you to choose from. You've got until the end of the month. You've got all the way up until April 30th at midnight to cast your vote, and then sometime around early May, you know, May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, somewhere around there, we'll tabulate, and we'll let you know what wins. So... Yeah, there you go. So I guess we'll go ahead and uh, start diving into the life and the career of Sam Raimi. Now, I, I would imagine, of course, I mean, we're, we're all Evil Dead fans here. So if for no, for no other reason than that, uh, we know about Sam Raimi from that stuff. But, I mean, obviously the dude has had one hell of a career, and he started off really young. Um, best I can tell, basically, he was making – and he was born October twenty third, 1959. But like his first short films, I mean, he made like in nineteen, what seventy two? I think it's one of the first like out west was his first short. So what what would that have made him about thirteen, fourteen years old when he was making his first short film? So that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, have y'all seen any of his short films before? I never have. Now I know mm-hmm. obviously, and we'll, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it briefly at the least. Uh, fast forward a little bit, nineteen seventy eight when he made Within the Woods. That was the yeah. impetus. That was the the beginning point for the Evil Dead series, right? But no, I've never seen. I don't watched any of them. Well, that, I know. I don't know that if it's. I would assume, and I haven't looked at all the special features. I got all the Evil Dead movies and special edition discs and all that. But I'm, I'm I, these days, I'm not the greatest for like watching all the special features on the disc like I used to be at one point. So maybe yeah. there there's some on there. But uh, back in the day, I used to have to like order these VHS tapes, black market VHS, gray market, whatever you want to call it. VHS tape traders, and uh, that's how I saw most of those college ones he made on Super 8 back then, which were basically, you know, Three Stooges, uh, pastiches, so to yeah. speak, you know, but Slapstick. taking that humor, you know, putting it on like adventure films, and they didn't really do horror until, like you said, Within the Woods, but we'll get to that. 
Now, I think some of that stuff has been released, though, right? Like, I think uh, I saw at least there was one video called, like, Sam Raimi Early Shorts in 1985. Uh, Yeah, that was was the VHS. I I don't know what it was titled, but it was titled something along those lines back then. But that was an unofficial, unofficial release. But, yeah, since then, I'm pretty sure... There probably has been a release of them in some form yeah, or other. So most, if not all of those probably live out there somewhere. So one of these days I'll track them down. Uh, some of the names of some of those are awesome though. The great bogus monkey pig nut swindle. <laughs> <laughs> the James R. Hoffa story part two attack of the Pillsbury Doughboy. It seems like I might've seen a clip or something from that one, but there's some, there's some pretty funny ones there. But yeah, like we said, you know, within the woods, that was the one that uh, basically, inspired them to make the evil dead series. Now, uh, back up a little bit. He was born Samuel M. Ramey is his actual like full name. And he was, uh, he was born and raised there in Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, he, he was part of a Jewish family. He's got three brothers and one sister. Two of his, uh, brothers are, are, are still here. Ted, obviously he, uh, we've talked about him a couple of times. He's an actor yeah. and he's done quite a bit in, uh, in the showbiz himself. His brother, Ivan, uh, who has d- written some scripts and he's done some stuff as well, but he actually had another brother named Sander who actually, uh, died at age 15 of an accidental drowning. Um, which I think, uh, Sam Raimi has been quoted as saying that like, that was the brother that got him into comic books and kind of influenced some of the stuff that he, you know, moved on to do with, with the rest of his life. So, uh, obviously that, that, you know, was a big loss for them. And he's got one sister named Andrea. Uh, Fast forward, he he went on to Michigan State University where he only stayed for three semesters <laughs> because basically he dropped, he was an English major, but he actually dropped out to go film The Evil Dead. So I guess that was basically like, all right, well, all these short films and everything that I've been doing with, you know, his buddy, uh, Bruce Campbell, who they, you know, they had already met and been working together and, and a couple other guys. So I guess that was off, off to the races at that point. So he, he didn't even uh, finish school. But like I said, he had he began his career with six short films before he actually had his feature-length debut, uh, a movie in 1977 called It's Murder. I've never seen that one, but that was no, his first feature film. I haven't film. either. I haven't, myself, I haven't either. I've seen I have short films, but I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Uh, right after that, he made seven more short films, which, you know, one of those was Within the Woods, before he finally made The Evil Dead in 1981, which we mentioned earlier we uh, went in depth on that back in episode 121, so you can find that in the Spook Show archives. A few years after that, uh, he made the movie Crime Wave in 1985. That's when it was released in 1985, and he wrote it with the Cohen brothers, um, who at that point, you know, were unknown. Apparently, he had worked with I think one of the Cohen brothers. I can't remember which had actually worked on The Evil Dead. And uh, so that's where his, you know, his uh, relationship with the Coen brothers came in. Uh, it wasn't the first time and wouldn't be the last that, you know, uh, he and the Coen brothers would work together. But apparently that movie um, basically was not successful. It was a failure because, and, and they kind of blamed studio interference. So I've never seen that one, but I, I've, I, that's definitely one I'd like to check out one of these days, Crime Wave. Oh, you ever seen that? That was, um, that was Joel Cohen. Uh, he was an editor. For, uh, for uh, I'm Dead. sorry, assistant editor. On The Evil Dead? Yeah. Yeah, still, that's cool, though. And that was way before they were, you know, the Cohen brothers that you know now. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, Smoke, have you ever seen Crime Wave? Yeah, that, back in when it first, uh, 
I forget what the uh, I mean, of course, Evil Dead was first. And I saw that, and I saw Evil Dead too before I ever got around the crime wave. And I can't remember the distribution of it. I definitely didn't see it in the theaters. You know, like you said, it was it did not do well at all at the box office. And I think uh, Embassy Pictures. I forget who the guy was that owned Embassy, but the ones that were distributing that movie, the ones that were funding Ramy Ramy and his crew for that movie. Basically, I think Ramey said that he could do it for $2 million, not taking into account things like Union. <laughs> you know, he was used to the Evil Dead style of just guerrilla filmmaking with his friends. Now he's like working for a Hollywood company and they're like throwing some money at him. But he told him he could get it done on $2 million. And uh, there was other other issues in there, like uh, safety concerns of like all of these things that you have to do on a Hollywood type picture that you didn't have to do as a guerrilla filmmaker. And uh, so... He quickly went through that two million dollars and needed more money, and basically turned into a quick uh, a fiasco at that point. Of yeah, studio interference, but also I think uh, Ramy and crew not having the experience of working on a Hollywood film and knowing how to budget, how to do things, and you know get things done in this certain time you know, to meet this certain dead point, deadline or whatever. And so uh, yeah, a culmination of things that ended up not being in favor of that movie, I guess. And I've seen it that. We'll probably get to it at some point on the show. It's been forever since I've seen it. And it's not, you know, you're not going to like it as much as Evil Dead, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> you can definitely tell that things were not copacetic behind the scenes when this movie was being made or whatever. And it shows kind of to what came to the screen, I guess, at the time. But, yeah, I saw it on VHS back in whatever year, eight, you know, 88, 89, somewhere there. Whenever it came out on VHS. Like, well, you know, even the great ones have to learn somewhere, right? Like, you don't just... Definitely. You don't just uh, learn how to do everything overnight, so to speak. I mean, it took him a while, although he started off really young. So, you know, but uh, it's funny that out of that uh, comes one of the better directors of the last 30-something, 40 years, and the Coen brothers who, you know, have had quite a bit of success themselves. Mm -hmm. Frankly, let's be honest, probably more success, at least critically, than Sam Raimi has ever had. Uh, Maybe not not financially. I don't know. That's probably a little bit of a toss-up depending on – you know, if you compare yeah. the numbers, later on, Ramey made some a lot of money with a handful of big movies that we'll talk about. But uh, the Coen brothers, have, I'm pretty sure they've won Oscars, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I remember reading about or, or hearing about somewhere that Ramey wasn't too uh, fond of them at first in the beginning of their style or whatever. Not This is before Blood Simple came out. Then when Blood Simple came down, the, fight, the, the, the script, I think Bruce Campbell had Sam Ramey read it. And then he, he's like, wow, yeah, this is great stuff. And then that's when they brought kind of brought them in to sort of, you know, do a little bit of help on the, the crime wave movie, or as it was called, I think it was XYZ murders, right? Mm. The original title of that. Well, maybe because of, or, uh, however you want to phrase it, the, uh, the failure of crime wave, he returned to horror two years later with evil dead Two in 1987. So I guess he returned back to familiar territory after crime wave. And like I said earlier, we covered that already, just recently on episode 151, so you go there to hear the deep dive. But right after that, uh, in 1989, he actually wrote the movie Easy Wheels with his brother Ivan. So that's one of Ivan's big credits. Now, that's one I've never seen, but it's like a biker movie, right? Yeah, I've never seen that one either. I think it's a par- Is it a parody of biker movies or a satire of some sort? Oh, I'm sure it has humor because it's Sam Raimi. So. Yeah, yeah, probably. I, I just know that it had something to do with bikers. That's, <laughs> but I've never watched yeah. it. So, um, but right after that though, he, Sam Raimi finally got to direct his first real major studio film in dark man in 1990. And that was basically after he had tried for years to adapt 
the the old comic book series, The Shadow. Uh, and apparently, like off and on throughout the years, that's always been something he's wanted to do too. And he's just never at the time he just couldn't get the rights, so it just never it never happened. And then it it, it turned into Dark Man, so to speak. But um, and then that kind of became a thing as well too, right? They went on to make two more sequels that he produced of uh, the Dark Man series. I've seen Dark Even Man, though- but it's been a long time ago. Yeah, same here. And I've never seen the sequels, but uh, but yeah, no, the, no I never had the, the first been forever too. Back in the VHS days again, that was one of those. Actually, I think I own that VHS, but I haven't gone back to rewatch it. Yeah, um, and I think it did fairly lukewarm business at the box office. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it still no, spawned it two sequels, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't what you would call a blockbuster or anything. But yeah, they they did have success with that one, and so really, it was probably one of his better successes up to this point. And pretty much due to that success, that's where he was able to finally get funding for Evil Dead 3, what what became Army of Darkness in 1992. So basically, we probably have Darkman to thank for uh, Army of Darkness, because I'm sure if that one had flopped, I don't know, you know, it either would have been a while or he may never have gotten to make that one. So who knows where the the uh, the fork in the road would have happened there, right? Yeah, that's at the point where I met him at that, uh, which I've mentioned before in the podcast, uh, that weekend of horrors convention in 1992 in LA. Him and uh, Bruce Campbell were basically, you know, promoting Army of Darkness, which had not yet been released, but it had been filmed or it had been shot, and I think it had been cut together. So they were just there to kind of promote that. And, and uh, since I haven't seen him at any other conventions since then, I mean, he might very well do some on the West Coast. I don't know. Probably far less than he, he would have back in those days, for sure, I would bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bruce Campbell, I've seen him recently, but uh, not Ramey. <laughs> and you know, back then, you could just walk around and, hey, oh, it's Ramey. Yeah. I love people. I can take a picture with you and sign this. And, you know, <laughs> now a different time back then. Now it's like, uh, that'll be $500. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, not long after Army of Darkness, in 1993, uh, he got married. He got married to Gillian Green, who I, I found this was interesting, is the daughter of Lorne Green, who would best be known as the patriarch of the of the Cartwright family in the in the the series that was on for 150 years, Bonanza. <laughs> I thought Ugh. that I thought that was awesome though. Like dude dude got married to the daughter of Lorne Green. <laughs> I'm sure that's the only reason. But he, he did have five kids, or he has five kids, so yeah. Fruitful marriage there for old Sam mm. Raimi. Who knows? Maybe one of these days, one of those one of those kids will turn out to uh, make some new Evil Dead stuff. You never know. I don't know what mm-hmm. uh, any of those children have ch- moved on to choose. You know what to do, but they're. I mean, what what they got married in nineteen ninety three, so those kids are probably roughly around eighteen to twenty years old, give or take. Now, well, I mean, hell, some of them might even if they had say the first couple kids or whatever, they might even be knocking on thirty at this point. So, but after that. He co-wrote The Hudsucker Proxy in 1994 with the Coen brothers. So once again, they got to work together. And he also moved, basically throughout the rest of the 90s, after that, he moved on to other genres with The Quick and the Dead in 1995, A Simple Plan in 1998, and For Love of the Game, 1999. All three of those are, not only are they not horror, right, but they're all completely different from one another in the in the type of genre movies that they are, right? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, in that... And that is because he's kind of like a little bit like Peter Jackson in the, you know, starting out in horror and like really, you know, it's kind of extreme horror comedy gore and all that stuff. And then moving on to not get pigeonholed into one genre, but to do many other things as far, you know, and then, of course, being big budget and 
I just kind of see them as, as good parallels there. Yeah. I mean, you got like a Western, you've got like a thriller, right. And you've got basically a romantic drama there. So it's three wildly different genres, especially compared to a uh, horror. But then of course, yeah. as is the theme here, right after for love of the game, he goes right back to horror, which, you know, has a thriller kind of edge to it as well. The gift, which that came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. I believe I've seen that one, but I think it might've been one of those that I saw in the theater back then. And then just kind of forgot about it. But when I was yeah, like, kind of putting all these things together, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do kind of remember that. I remember the title and that he directed it, Yeah, but yeah, I haven't seen that one since, again, 2001 or whatever year it was. It came out 2000, but you go back and look at that one though. That's got a hell of a cast on it, by the way. Um, but then in 2002, pretty much right at the same time that he was, uh, uh, that the first Spider-Man movie was about to come out. He founded ghost house pictures with Robert Tappert. Now I think Tappert was one of his long time, like, like Bruce Campbell, right? Like that's someone he had known for a long time. Might even, yeah, him, one of those I think short Bruce Campbell, years. Robert Tappert and Scott Spiegel mm-hmm. went back to the early days of super eight films. He was making ghost house pictures went on to produce produce such, uh, uh, films and, uh, and they've, they've produced some, uh, like TV series and other stuff. But with that, he has produced the grudge series, 30 days of night, of course, drag me to hell, the evil dead remake. Don't breathe. Uh, the most recent release, uh, which comes out, like we said, uh, this week, evil dead rise. But before that they had done uh, night books, which was a straight to Netflix movie. So, uh, they've had quite a bit of success with ghost house pictures. And, uh, and uh, another little like sub label that they had there, Ghost House Underground, where they did some stuff like uh, uh, the Tattooist, the Substitute, um, the Children. You know, like I guess smaller smaller movies uh, that came out from like '08 to 2011, and then some uh, uh, TV series, a couple of Thirty Days of Night uh, TV series, Thirteen Fears Real. So uh, yeah, they, they, he stays busy. Uh, when he's not, he's not directing, he's producing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. But basically at that point, though, like I said, pretty much right at the same time, he he's about to have his greatest financial success with the Spider-Man trilogy from 2002 to 2007, you got Spider-Man, Spider-Man two and Spider-Man three. And that would also be around the time that he actually finally won some awards for some stuff. He, he won a, a Saturn award for best director for Spider-Man two. And I'm sure he, like many of us don't like to talk much about Spider-Man three, right? Probably not of the three. That's, that's less than at the, at, to say the least, but still, well, it does have the Toby wire dance thing in it, right? Yeah, oh God. <laughs> Now, you know, the funny thing is, and we'll fast forward a little bit here, um, the greatest financial success of his of his films have always been comic book films. Now, if you look back on it, like Dark Man, right, was comic book-esque. 
the Spider-Man trilogy, definitely, obviously. And, and by the way, all those movies ba- made basically about $800 million a piece, give, give or take. So crazy money. But his single greatest movie, as far as financial success, went on to be his most recent one, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that just came out last year in 2022. That's the highest grossing film of his career at damn near a billion dollars. $955.8 million he made with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, um, Smoke, did you ever get a chance to see that one? Yeah, I did see that one. And I, and I just went specifically because, I mean, I like Doctor Strange, but I, I went specifically because Raimi directed Raimi. it. And, uh, you know, it, at that point, at this point or whatever, with it being a Marvel movie, a Disney Marvel, I think his hands are pretty much tied as far as what he could do with it. You're not, you know, you know, you can't go into it expecting what he did with Spider-Man or, you know, there's a couple of scenes in there that were like Sam Raimi. That's what I was about to say. That part, being said, you can see him in it though. You know, like, yeah, you see him in it. yeah, especially with the zombie aspect of like, I think, you know, not to give too many spoilers for that, but there's some zombie esque type stuff that happens in that movie. And, so, and, and a little so, bit of humor here and there that's definitely his style of writing. Yeah, but you or, can you see know, you can see that joke. Evil Dead come out. You you know with the the camera angles and some of the stuff that they do yeah. at certain points of that movie. You can you know his his Raimi is hanging out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they had they had to rein him in a little bit. Probably. I, well, I don't know if they necessarily had to rein him in or if he just didn't go that route because knowing you know all the money behind it, you know all the Disney money behind it or whatever Marvel money that he just didn't go that route that he was going to you know. But yeah, you definitely see his hand in there. It's just yeah. not, you know, not as pronounced as the Spider-Man movies, I guess. Me personally, with that one, my disappointments weren't weren't with what Sam Raimi did. My disappointments with oh, that yeah. movie were what my expectations were different than what we got. You know, yeah. I, not to say that I hated it, I enjoyed it. It's fine. It is what it is. You know, as far as the Marvel movies are concerned, but um, yeah. that's another subject for a whole other day there. Um, but <laughs> backtrack after the Spider-Man trilogy and that third one. I wouldn't say it bombed. It didn't. It just didn't live up to the expectations. I don't think anybody had for it. That's the least favorite of any, any of the Spider-Man movies for pretty much anybody. Rarely do you hear anyone say, Oh, Spider-Man three was my favorite of those three movies. Right. So because of that, basically he's, he's out of the picture and then they didn't make another Spider-Man movie for a handful of years. And it was without him. But of course, what does he do? He goes right back to horror (laughs) and he makes drag me to hell. (laughs) And two, two years later in 2009, which I remember watching that movie in the theater and then I haven't watched it in a little while, you know, probably within the last four or five years, but I love that movie. I thought it was a, a great return for him with horror movies. Yeah. yeah. It's probably been about the same amount of time for me, at least well, six, five, six years or so since the last time I've seen it. But yeah, it's, that's definitely a fun one. That, that's was an excellent return. I'm kind of glad, <laughs> not that I'm glad that Spider-Man three didn't do as well as expected necessarily, but I'm glad that he was able to, you know, because if Spider-Man 3 had been a real you know, raging success like the other two, then he probably would have done another one. We might not have even had Dragon Ball. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I'm glad that he was did return to horror after that. Yeah, yeah that's a fun one. Yeah. And, and that, I, I want to say that's one that has been nominated here. It just never got the lucky wheel spin uh, here for oh, the yeah. podcast. But we will get to Dragon Ball sooner or later. Uh, but then uh, a few years later in 2013, he goes back to the uh, the big budget wheel, and he gets to do Oz the Great and Powerful for Disney. Uh, that was one that I saw and I remember being like, eh, you know, it is what it is. Wizard of Oz is a tough one, right? Like, and it's not a remake. It's a, it's a prequel to Wizard of Oz, but I think anybody would have a tough time 
tackling the Wizard of Oz, anything to do with Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, and then also it wasn't three 3D was I mean 3D always comes around and it leaves and it comes back, but I think 3D was a big thing then too. And wasn't yeah. that movie one of the draws for that? I'm what, sure. Was it 3D? I'm sure it probably was. I mean, 2013. That seems like that's that's that time period where everything was coming out in 3D. What I recall of it, it's fine. It's just not one that you're <laughs> going to return to and like, oh, all right, kids, let's gather around and watch the the annual viewing of Oz the Great and Powerful. You know, like it's not one you're going to watch <laughs> over and over again for sure. But, um, yeah. I'll get around and watch it at some point. At least I'm sure it's at least worth one watch, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, for, in my opinion, from what I remember of it, it's worth it's worth checking out at least once. Then uh, uh, after that, he produced the Evil Dead remake from 2013, which we're not going to go into right now because that's going to be episode 157 next week. So you want to uh, come back next Monday for that. He was the executive producer on Ash vs. Evil Dead, the series on stars that ran from 2015 to 18. And he, like we mentioned earlier, he did direct the, uh, I believe, the pilot episode for that series. His latest directing projects include World War III, which that one apparently has been in development since 2016. So Lord knows if that will actually see the light of day. And uh, apparently, at least according to IMDb, the Kingkiller Chronicle is in pre-production. So that might end up being his next uh, project that uh, he directs. So we'll, I guess we'll find out. Uh he has had a number of acting roles uh, throughout his career. On IMDb, he's got, uh, let's see, 47 acting credits. And those include Thou Shalt Not Kill, Except, from 1985, Spies Like Us, from the same year, Maniac Cop, from 88, Intruder, from 89, Maniac Cop 2 in 90, Indian Summer, 1993, I think that was probably one of his bigger roles, uh, John Carpenter movie, Body Bags, 1993. The Stand from 1994, that, uh, what, six-hour miniseries epic. Uh, one of Donnie's favorites, The Flintstones from 1994. <laughs> and he was in, the, uh, he had a bit role in The Shining in 1997. Not the classic Stanley Kubrick, obviously, from 80, Shining, but the TV miniseries version. He has- I remember him saying about the acting thing, you know, that he didn't, you know, back in the day, whenever they were doing Evil Dead and everything, it was like, uh, okay, the women like Bruce Campbell, and they like, you know, so we'll put Bruce Campbell in front of the camera, and then, you know, me and Ted, you know, we'll get behind the camera because mm-hmm. nobody wants to see our faces. <laughs> but then, you know, but he said that he liked to, you know, he liked to be in front of the camera to try and get in front of the camera as much times as he could. So when other people would ask him to be in their movies, and then, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, to that, he has stated in interviews that he doesn't consider himself a very good actor, but he acts so he can be a better director. So, I mean, I think there's some, there's some sound logic there and, and it's not the first time I've heard a quote similar to that from other people too. You know, like, I guess you learn both sides of the lens, so to speak, you know, doing it that way. Yeah. No, like we mentioned earlier, he produced the entire, the grudge franchise. So I'm sure he made uh, quite a bit of money on that as well. As far as TV is concerned outside of even ghost house pictures, you know, the television stuff in the nineties, he produced the, uh, the series Hercules, the legendary journeys and uh Xena warrior princess. And he uh, went on to produce the, uh, I think there was at least two or three different Spartacus series that were on stars for years. He produced all that and and lots of other ones too, but those were some of the highlights. I never was much of a Hercules or Xena guy myself. Uh, I liked them for what they were, I guess. They were definitely very much uh, (laughs) lower budget TV produced stuff. So uh, the the, the digital or whatever effects at the time were that, uh, you know, 
that grand or anything, but, Plus, but I, I enjoyed it. I think it was like off. syndicated TV, right? Like it wasn't for a particular network. I don't think it was just, here's a, a bunch of syndicated episodes that we can throw at, you know, any station that'll buy it up. Right. Yep. Uh, his latest producing credits this year include, uh, the movie 65 and evil dead rise. Of course. Now th- there's a whole other side thing here where like, uh, uh, I found an article that is actually it's on Wikipedia. There's a whole entry there of Sam Raimi's unrealized projects. Now, I'm not going to go down this whole thing, but basically these are like ones that had been rumored or he was attached to that they fell through for different reasons or it went to someone else, whatever. In 1990, after he uh, finished filming Dark Man, he was going to do Thor for Marvel Comics or as specifically for 20th Century Fox. Mm, shit. Uh, apparently if it, it just fell apart, I, I think he was going to work with, or he was working with Stan Lee and then it just basically it just got abandoned and never happened, obviously. And then fast forward to 2011 and then Kenneth Branagh finally made that one for, uh, you know, the MCU. But what do you think of a, a Sam Raimi Thor smoke? Oh, well, what the, it's, it's gotta be better than, uh, what was that? Uh, incredible Hulk with a Thor, that TV movie you remember from, <laughs> <laughs> sometime in the 90s when they yeah. were like or maybe it was late 80s i forget they were they were sort of you know bringing lou ferrigno and uh bill bixby back as the whole yeah the, god damn wasn't it like the trial of the shit. hulk or some shit like that yeah yeah that was just ter- it was like it was like they went and found some like bad some just like i don't know some stage armor laying around from a roman movie or something like that <laughs> yeah. and they just forged it you know like hammered it into whatever he was here you go this is thor's costume and here's a here's a Typical, you know, stereotypical, like winged helmet. And <laughs> that's the very much not the Thor that you picture. If you're talking about the, the Marvel comic story, you know, you definitely don't. You bring that up. And I, and I, and I, I've, that's a good conversation to have one of these days of like, what was the best of those, of those horrible Marvel years of that Captain America movie, the Punisher oh, yeah. with Dolph <laughs> Lundgren, uh, there was a Doctor well, Strange movie I, somewhere in there. <laughs> those Spider-Man yeah. God, man, that was some, that was some, say what you will about the current stuff. At least it looks cool, right? That stuff was terrible. Just terrible. (laughs) Well, I got got a nostalgic spot for the Spider-Man ones. Not because it's good, because it's not, I mean, I guess they did what they could with the time, but as a kid, I watched that, I watched the hell out of that stuff. I mean, I can't, I don't, I haven't watched them in years and years now. And I'm sure that, I mean, it's terrible. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) another, another interesting one would have been uh, Jack Frost. In 1994, Raimi was attached to direct it, and then uh, it was under the working title Frosty the Snowman. And he and his brother <laughs> Ivan Raimi had actually started writing on it, but then uh, uh, apparently George Clooney was attached to it as well. But basically, after he dropped out, the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> now I really want to see Frosty the Snowman with George Clooney and Sam Raimi directing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so some other titles include the We Free Men. Fuck if I know the Hobbit. Uh, apparently he wanted to, uh, in two thousand seven. He uh, he was he was open to directing it, and then uh, Guillermo del Toro came along, and you know Peter Jackson, and and the what they ended up doing. You know a handful of years later, but yeah. Sam Raimi getting a hold of it that would have been interesting. It would have been a lot different for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, you know, uh, Evil Dead 4 has always been a thing, right? Like, I, I think they keep bringing that up every couple of years that, like, there's going to be another installment in that series or however you want to phrase it, Army of Darkness 2, whatever. 
Uh, Spider-Man 4, that was supposed to happen, but because 3, you know. And there's been a handful of others uh, throughout the years, but those were some of the ones that uh, uh, that really really sounded interesting to me. And uh, matter of fact, just as uh, recently as uh, uh, 2017, uh, there was a Bermuda Triangle film that uh, he was working on. Then it just, it just never came to fruition. So, but you know, I'm sure all directors and actors and everything have this long list of like what could have been right. So yeah, there you go. That's, that's uh, you know, it's a pretty deep look into Sam Raimi's career. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's still plenty to discover, pl- like lots of uh, TV stuff that we didn't even really go over too deeply. Uh, yeah. We typically don't, don't cover a whole lot of uh, TV adaptations or, mm-hmm. you know, even TV series or anything. We, I mean, we'll mention them randomly. We had talked about his kids. Uh, four of his five kids are actually in the business. Um, Emma Ramey is his daughter. She's an actress. She's had uh, bit parts in, uh, drag me to hell, Oz, the great and powerful, et cetera. You, you, you um, mentioned that. I do remember seeing somewhere when I was putting some of that stuff together that I think three of his kids, his eldest kids were in one of the Spider-Man movies. Like they had some yeah. in the crowd, like, you know, cameo type yep. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, also, uh, Lauren Ramey, his son, um, primarily, uh, uh, second AD, uh, with, uh, Credits in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Shang Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, etc. Uh, also, Henry Ramey, um, another one of his sons. He he's an actor with uh, bit parts in Drag Me to Hell and Spider Man Three. So I guess you could say he was an actor at that time. I don't know what he's doing now. Hmm. Um, same thing with Lorne, uh, which I imagine he's probably still you know in the biz. Um, and then Dashell um, is an actor, screenwriter, uh, with a bit part in Oz Great Powerful. So and, it looks yeah. like there's at least a couple of them there that it sounds like. Still, uh, yeah, it sounds like Lauren Ramey would be the one that because he was actually a second assistant director, right? On uh, yeah. So yeah, it sounds like the one that you know might have a bigger future. Who knows? You never. Yeah, maybe never passing the torch. Yeah. Well, was, they did name him after Lauren Green, so. <laughs> The the genes got to be strong at least in at least mm-hmm. one of them kids, right? <laughs> yep. Well, there you go. That's uh that's our deep look into Sam Raimi, and like I, I said, of course, next week we're going to be doing the Evil Dead remake. Although he didn't direct it, he was a producer, and of course, he is the the godfather of all things Evil Dead, right? So uh, there's a connection there, one way or another. And of course, Evil Dead Rise comes out in theaters this weekend, so uh, we encourage everybody to go check it out. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a word or two about that in the next couple of weeks whenever we finally, uh, everybody gets through their vacations and whatnot and a couple of us get a chance to go check it out. We'll uh, we'll talk about that one briefly because I'm looking forward to that one. So, all right, so we mentioned it towards the beginning of the episode. So now's the time to, uh, to spill the tea, I guess, and talk about it here on the on the podcast proper because I, I think it's kind of come up a little bit on, on the YouTube stuff and uh, over on Patreon uh, somewhat what our plans are for the summer. And we're not going to reveal the whole slate or anything like that because we got plenty of time. We're still putting the pieces together, although we have a lot of it mapped out. But basically, the last two years, each summer, we've had a theme. So back in 2021, we did the uh, the Summer of the Wolf, which was nothing but you know pretty much nothing but werewolf movies and everything that we did that summer. Mm. That was a lot of fun. But then last summer, the summer of 2022, 
we decided to change it up and we did camp spook show. So all summer long, we did nothing but summer camp themed movies. And some of those were a little looser than others, but <laughs> you know, for the most part, we stuck to the script, right? And we did pretty much nothing but summer camp movies for, for better or for worse. But believe me, by the time we got to the end of it, we were done with it, right? I think we we, we were like, all right, we've had enough of that for you know one summer. So we're not going to do especially after hot chili, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of many in summer camp and a few others. But we're uh, uh, we're gonna we're not going to revisit Camp Spook Show this summer. I'm sure we will eventually one of these days, but it ain't going to be this summer. So for the summer of 2023, we have decided to do what we're calling the Spook Show Summer Disaster. The whole premise is disaster movies. Now, we're not, when you think disaster movies, you might just think, you know, uh, uh, natural disasters like Twister, you know, movies like that. But we're going to broaden the scope a little bit and anything that would be basically deemed disastrous if it happens. So not just natural disasters like earthquakes, all that stuff kind of thing. But even as far as to say, like, say the movie Independence Day, alien invasions, zombie apocalypse. Basically, apocalyptic level events, monster movies, such like Godzilla, stuff like that. So uh, that's going to give us a pretty broad spectrum of movies to choose from. We've put together the the lineup, and like I said, I'm not going to go through that. We're going to save that for when we do the preview episode on Memorial mm. Day. Yeah. That, that comes out on Memorial Day, May 29th. That will be episode 162. So that will be the Spook Show Summer Disaster Preview. And then that's when we'll unveil the slate of all the movies and all the plans that we have uh, throughout. It, it, it will officially begin on June 5th with episode 163. And it'll go all the way into uh, mid-August. Actually, pretty much you might as well say late August with episode 174, which releases on August 21st. That will be the wrap-up. So be on the lookout for that. And I'm sure we'll mention it a number of times between now and then. But we just wanted to... Uh, take this opportunity to kind of get it out there so you can, uh, may- maybe even you out there, if you're listening, can make a few suggestions, like something, oh, you guys got to do this. Um, I think we have some on the list already that are pretty obvious. You might be able to put two and two together. Like we'll probably be doing a couple of these, but some of these I think will surprise you. We- we've got an eclectic mix put together so far. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going to be one hell of a, a summer for Will who couldn't be with us. He's out on assignment. Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week for Evil Dead 2013. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.